Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. <laughs> Have you actually blown your voice out? One podcast with Matt and Tommy. What am I? What's going on? Right, we're rolling with this because this is giving you an insight as to what happens when you scream with Lando Norris taking the lead at the British Grand Prix. (laughs) Because I literally can't go any higher. This is going to be a really interesting podcast because it's not going to get any better unless I have some sort of um, surgery. So, welcome. How are you, Tommy? Are you good? <laughs> I need a drink. I'm good. I really, hope, I really hope this is just a temporary thing because we we went. If if that's the case, we've gone out with a bang with the live show at, at Silverstone, and then there will be no more podcasts. I think ever it's safer again. if I speak lower. If I try and go higher, yeah, but the I think, problem is I get excited, so I, my intonation goes up quite a lot. It's all right. Ferrari were ninth and tenth, so. There's nothing to cheer about. So yeah, apologies for my voice throughout this podcast. Um, but yes, of course, today we are reviewing the British Grand Prix. And we were both there, weren't we, Tommy? With Tommy Hilfiger as well. We sure were. Uh, on Saturday. And we of course, were. they were part of our content throughout the entire uh, British Grand Prix weekend. So big shout out to them. Um, but Tommy, what a weekend. I'm wearing a red shirt, Tommy Hilfiger, of course. Uh, but a red shirt because I've got sunburn. So hopefully... That it, you know, it's less red if I've got a red shirt on. I've gone for white, but maybe it's showing off my sunburn a little bit. I did all right. Factor Factor Fifty was the way forward. I got an incredible video of your wife applying sun cream to your face. <laughs> it's amazing because you know Tom Bellingham. He goes on the main stage once and now doesn't apply sun cream to his own face. It's I don't just... trust myself to do it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's dive into uh, our five-star review. This one comes in from Beach Mum twenty-four from the USA. If you want yours to be read out, please leave a, a, a leave a review, a five-star review. Let us know why you love this podcast. Uh, you can do it via Apple Podcast, can't you, Tommy? You, sure you can, can leave a five-star review on Spotify, but you can't actually say why. Um, so yeah, maybe you do it over there. So this one's from Beach Mum twenty-four. As a fairly new F1 fan, I've tried to check out all the podcasts I can on my new obsession. It has become clear, as I suspected, that Matt and Tommy are the best, most knowledgeable and straight-up fun hosts out there. Probably not the best voices, though, this week. They take us along on some excellent adventures and never take themselves too seriously. It makes for the most enjoyable podcasts, and I wake up each day hoping new content has been released. Thank you, and keep up the amazing journey. Thank you so much Thank to you. Beach Mum 24. Big shout out to you uh, from the US of A. And um, yeah, I'm really still just trying to process how my voice is sounding because it sounds very odd from my own ears. So. Let's dive into my most memorable moment before my voice goes. And it's actually linked to my voice going. Uh, Norris taking the lead. That was single-handedly the best moment of the season, Um, mainly because we are so thirsty as Formula One fans. We need anything but a Red Bull victory. So when that happened... I, I I literally screamed like you were in front of me, Tommy. But of course, you know, there was eruption everywhere. So I'm sure, you know, I didn't burst your eardrum, but I think I burst my voice box doing it because as soon as that lap one was over, I tried to say something to, to someone and I was like, hmm, that that sounds strained. And uh, yeah, as you can tell. So, yeah, I got very excited with Lando taking the lead because what a moment. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, Lando being on the front row anyway was incredibly cool uh, and then for him to lead the british grand prix was unbelievable i mean the start that both mclarens had was absolutely amazing uh, there was actually an interesting bit in the cool down room where lando said that uh, oscar probably would have led the race uh, if there was a maybe a longer run down to to turn one because he got an unbelievable start uh, and nearly got verstappen as well um, but obviously we were as we've said, at the British Grand Prix and just the buzz of 
Lando taking the lead, the crowd cheering, uh, Matt screaming and losing his voice. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, really, really exciting start to the race. And um, I guess one of the biggest surprises was that uh, Max didn't get past straight away in the DRS. It took a few laps. No, our hope went through, not the floor, the ceiling, mm. didn't it? Because... Lando actually extended his lead to just over a second at the beginning of the race. And we were like, where has this come from? Are McLaren now the GOATs? Is Lando Norris going to win the champ? No, of course not. <laughs> but we did we did have hope. It looked like there was a genuine race uh, on our hands. And um, yeah, that noise. Not only did we hear the, obviously, around the entirety of the circuit, was there an eruption of cheering? But also watching it back on the the highlights, you can just hear as as Lando obviously obviously being followed by the F1 TV direction as he goes past all the big places where there's grandstands. There was just another eruption of cheering, and it it, it looked amazing to even watch as well, uh, let alone be there. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, what what a story uh, for the race. I think uh, I can't remember what highlights I was watching where where they mentioned it, but obviously they they ran that chrome livery to kind of throw back to the the era where McLaren were really good and fighting at the front. And boy, did they do that! Yep, chrome is now apparently the new matte finish. It's the way uh, to go. So Let's see. Um, but no, uh, miraculous performance uh, from McLaren. Question from Josh Waldock. What is McLaren's ceiling in the Constructors' Championship, assuming the car continues to perform well? Well, look, we've got more than half the season still to go. They currently sit P5 in the Constructors' standings with 59 points. It's incredible to think that they scored more points yesterday than the entirety of their season combined, uh, which is quite the stat. It's probably a bad stat and just shows how yeah. bad they have been uh, throughout the year. But they are a whopping 98 points behind Ferrari, uh, who are in fourth. But my God, if Ferrari start to finish ninth and tenth most weeks and getting beaten by a Williams, then they may well slip down. But OK, we're assuming McLaren can now challenge Red Bull or be that second fastest car. There is no reason to suggest that by the end of the year, they can chip away at the Aston Martins that seem to have lost a bit of pace. Ferrari seem to have lost a bit of pace as well. P2 is not out of sight, potentially. But then again, Mercedes is nearly 150 points clear. I'd say Ferrari and Aston Martin are catchable if the form is how it was in Silverstone. Yeah, second is a stretch, but like you said, uh, half the season is not even done yet. So it's not completely out of the question, but I'd be amazed if they caught Mercedes. Um, Ferrari having a had a nightmare race when we thought they were suddenly the second best car uh, after the last couple of races and they're getting beaten by a Williams. Um, although Williams are right, actually mate, quite good. I've now. already said it once. You have to bring it up again. All right, we'll <laughs> talk about it again. But Aston Martin as well dropping off. I mean, they're a long way ahead of, of McLaren in the championship. But if they carry on going backwards the way they are, um, and you know, uh, Aston Martin, in my opinion, have uh, an unbelievably good driver and a decent good driver uh, as their pairing. Whereas I think McLaren, particularly what. Piastri showed in that race is they've got two very strong drivers um, and if they start bagging consistent points you know they they could well finish third which if you imagine could you imagine saying at the end of the year that McLaren if they do end up finishing third in the championship that would be the biggest turnaround when it feels like barely a couple of weeks ago um, I was telling you that Lando had finished 16th in more races that he'd uh, got any points in yeah, and you think back to Bahrain, the first race of the season, where they literally wheeled out a three-tired tractor. Like, it was yeah. a dreadful car. And then they were potentially challenging for the victory uh, at the British Grand Prix. It's an amazing turnaround. Clearly, the upgrades they've brought are the right direction for that car. Not quite as fast as Red Bull, as we saw, but to thrust themselves ahead of Mercedes um, in in that race as well was 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 miraculous. So I mean, Russell himself over Team Radio was saying he couldn't believe how quick the the McLarens were on the hard tyres, for example, which is uh, amazing. And of course, Hamilton in the cool down room said that uh, that Lando's car was a rocket ship. Um, which he loves to say to be, that. 
It's which trace. seems to be every car that ever beats him <laughs> as a rocket ship. Um, but no, it's uh, it's amazing to see. The the mad thing as well about about the McLaren and that we didn't see this at the end because there was a safety car that bunched the pack up we'll go, uh, and you know we, we all thought it was the wrong strategy maybe it still was but their car was so good that it didn't matter um but say the race had carried on to the end we'd have probably seen the mclarens closer to the red bull than the gap between them and the kind of ferraris aston martins and mercedes they, they were they were clear of of those best of the rest behind red bull teams well it was quite close with mercedes no i, I don't feel like it was completely and utterly uh, done quite, and dusted he had like they had about a 10 second lead i think before the safety car and the gap to max was about five or six seconds so it might have built up but i i think they were comfortably quicker than mercedes yeah they were looking like they were second and third um after that but i think russell you know russell had a decent decent enough stint um, on that soft tire at the beginning and then obviously moved to to the mediums I think it was and we don't know what would have happened after that safety car I don't think McLaren would have got caught but that gap may have come down Mercedes weren't too far away Aston Martin and Ferrari absolutely were um, but Ferrari didn't help themselves I'm sure we've got lots of questions about them uh, a little bit later on uh, question from Jensen 5005500 do you think Norris will move to a top team like Red Bull soon one good race. No, I'm joking. He's obviously, you know, we know how good Lando is. And you know, I read that question and I was, you know, we've, we've kind of been saying, no, 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 Red Bull, they have a perfect, you know, one and two pairing at the moment, blah, 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 blah. But then I read that and I'm like, I don't think it's impossible because if Red Bull have to make this decision of, is our driver pairing good enough because of the likes of McLaren potentially Mercedes, et cetera, catching them up. What do they do? What, what do they do in that situation? Because, you know, you've got Mercedes. They took a massive gamble, you'd have to say, signing George Russell because George is the a next upcoming superstar. Perhaps it's slightly different because they're thinking of the future and what happens after Hamilton retires. But if McLaren are five, ten seconds behind and Perez is having a stinker every time, then it's going to be a completely different ball game. They're lucky for this year, as I keep saying, well, not lucky, Verstappen's dominated and he can win both titles on his own. But if that changes into 2024, Red Bull have to start shopping, I think. If Perez doesn't pick up his game, he keeps saying, oh, I'm going to bounce back in the next race, got to sort out our Saturdays. But it's been five in a row now. And I think if he leads himself into the summer break, having more and more problems, I, I don't see his seat being as safe as perhaps I thought it once was. Yeah, I mean, Lando to Red Bull is a thing that's been discussed a lot. What's crazy to me is that you asked this question uh, before Austria, and we've said this many times, and, it, and it's not even a, a controversial opinion uh, a couple of, couple of weeks ago or whatever, to say that Lando needs to leave McLaren because they're not performing. He's a very good driver. He's shown when McLaren was good how well he can do. And I think he would be, you know, uh, be able to win multiple races. Hamilton uh, even said on the stage that he says Lando's a future world champion uh, for sure and things like that. So I think he is one of the, the best drivers in Formula One. But we, we've been saying so much recently he needs to leave McLaren because they're not going anywhere now after those two races you go well actually he's locked locked in at McLaren he is McLaren through and through there he's the the star of the team if you like like uh, Verstappen is at Red Bull and and uh, like Hamilton was at Mercedes maybe it is the right thing to to stay at McLaren which is cra crazy to think about um, and there is always that thing about is going up against Max Verstappen in a Red Bull absolute career suicide, and it, it could well it could well be even someone like Lando. I mean, I think he would do better than Perez. I think he'd get the odd win here and there, but then is he winning a title against him? I don't think so. And then and then that that is the the nature and the weird sport that is Formula One that you do have to get. Sometimes it is pure luck that you end up with a good car and you're in the right place at the right time and you have to balance whether you think 
oh, I'm never going to get a championship winning car. So actually, no, I do want to go to Red Bull and get a few wins. And then maybe something comes out of that. And then I've proved I'm a race winner and then I can move on. Um, or, you know, you stay at McLaren and hope they get good and hope uh, Mika Hakkinen is right and they're going to be better than Red Bull in a, a couple of months. Yeah, you make a valid point. I think I answered it from a Red Bull perspective, that question from Jensen. But then if you do it from a Lando Norris perspective, mm. as you say, is it better to have a team around you and you be the number one? Absolutely, especially if they're going in the right direction. Now, we might well be jumping the gun here. You know, I said it at the end of qualifying, you know, are they back, blah, blah, blah. Can you again, after Silverstone, officially confirm that they are back and they can start catching Ferrari and Aston Martin? By the trend of this season, I would say no, just purely because of the fact that we've seen Fernando Alonso very briefly lead a race in Saudi Arabia and, and things like that. And now look at where Aston Martin are. So the sort of trend of who is that second fastest team has changed throughout the year, which is why we constantly talk about, my God, what would happen if Red Bull didn't exist? Well, look, this is what happens. We said it when Mercedes <laughs> were dominating as well. What would it be like if Mercedes didn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. So... We'll have to wait and see. Of course, the next race is Hungary. Is that correct? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, in a couple of weeks' time, um, and that will be. A, I think that will be a completely different race altogether. Again, you know, it's that, that's where different Fernando Alonso has been hyping up his chances a bit more on Aston Martin because it's a, a different characteristic of track altogether. Um, so, I, as McLaren fans, I would say enjoy this weekend, but let's not start printing out the Lando Norris race winner posters just yet just purely because I know what it's like as a Ferrari fan to think you might win something and not. <laughs> On that whole thing about Verstappen, uh, you know, if Verstappen wasn't there, I will just touch on that because I, I put a tweet out about it. We do... Um, we do say it a lot and it's quite funny because uh someone uh, got a few replies being like why do you hate max verstappen when my profile picture is a picture of me in a max verstappen cape with my daughter in a max verstappen onesie so clearly did you, you see know, my reply to that tweet yeah. as well <laughs> yeah i just said tommy supports verstappen you melon <laughs> <laughs> exactly so you know it's not it's not a hater thing like formula one has always had dominant eras but my, it is so funny that the battle for the lead, that just shows that the battle for the lead is everything and uh, and winning the race. And you can get excited over other things, and we do, but it is never quite the same as the lead because I could not think about that race just thinking, if Verstappen's not in this, that race was decent. It wasn't amazing. It was like, all right. If Verstappen's not in that race, you're having... Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton battling for the lead of the British Grand Prix. Two and, generations of yeah. British drivers. And that would that would literally go down in history. It, it, it would be hyped up as like one of the greatest races ever. Like those two battling, two British drivers battling for the win of the British Grand Prix. And those moments where they're going side by side, it would have been unbelievable but alas it's for pt <laughs> i also think that that incredible battle that we saw would have been a slight different one had it been for the lead as well with lando uh, mm, and lewis yeah, of course true. lewis having a, a slight nose in at times and, and things like that i wonder if there would have been a slight more aggression knowing that that was for his first win since 2021 saudi arabia uh, and and that sort of stuff so yeah fascinating to think about that's what we do as formula one fans we try and think of a a more perfect scenario than perhaps what what we currently have um but but on that kind of chat about lando and and whatnot i want to briefly speak about the is it lap five lap six where he lost lost the lead i would have liked to have seen a bit more defense from lando if i'm being completely honest with you i understand why he's done what he he did i think in his head he's going this is a long race I've got decent pace. If Max goes into the lead, let's try and cling on to DRS. Let's not try and burn out our tyres too too quickly. But on the flip side of that, Max, after the race, said something interesting around the fact that his mediums were overheating following Lando and he's really glad to get through so that he could then start to sort of control the race a bit more. I wonder if Lando puts up a bit more of a fight, Max Verstappen then has a harder race potentially for the next few laps at least because it did seem as though Lando wasn't so ridiculously slow that... You could just go, ah, go through, you know, my fight's mm. not with you. Because at that point, I think it was. Yeah, and I know it's I, I know it's very different because it's Perez and he's not 
not anywhere near Verstappen's level this this season. But he didn't fly through the field in that Red Bull. It was a, a struggle to pass, and we'll go on to that in a second because that's uh, one of my uh, things that I took away from the race. But Verstappen, in my opinion, that the way Lando defended or didn't defend, um, said it before, it, it's all part of the Verstappen mentality. And there's interesting theories about the way he's driven, whether you like it or loathe it, uh, in his career up until this moment to set the foundations of knowing S- something Ayrton Senna did, you know, brilliantly that you get out my way or we're having a crash. And actually, <laughs> now, now he's got a really good car underneath him. People do dive out the way and don't, maybe some, some people don't race him as hard because they don't want to either risk an incident. Uh, or they just don't think it's it's worth worth fighting, and I, I do think that probably was part of it of maybe Lando going, I could fight Max, but do I want to get in wheel to wheel, maybe have contact with a driver who I'm very good mates with, and potentially lose a podium at the British Grand Prix? No. <laughs> yeah, it was it was the long game, wasn't yeah, it? I suppose yeah. because we know that Lando can defend. There's no no question about that because of the way in which he defended Hamilton. against Lewis Hamilton. Um, so there was an active decision there for Lando to not defend, um, which I imagine would probably have been agreed on um, pre to the you know pre race with the discussions with the team. So I just found it interesting because yeah, it is fascinating it, it, especially how they race, when in those first few laps it was go, you know you were thinking. Lando's got decent pace here, and he is in with the fight for the lead. Um, but, but yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, Tommy, let's now go to your most memorable moment. Yeah, so mine is the kind of mixed feelings that I had about overtaking in that race, because I think there's something to be said about the difficulty to pass, and sometimes it's actually a good thing. Look at Gasly in Monza or Ocon in Hungary. Like, if we'd have had no overtaking in that race and Lando had won, we'd all be hailing it as a brilliant race and it was really exciting and Max couldn't get past. Um, but then on the flip side, I see someone like George Russell on soft tyres not being able to get past Charles Leclerc very easily, thinking, my God, we've gone backwards with, with his overtaking rules. And then you look back to um, the, the last year, and last year was a huge event benchmark because in my opinion that was some of the greatest racing I've ever seen in Formula 1 at the British Grand Prix when it was Perez, Hamilton and Leclerc swapping positions seemingly every corner you go back to that and you almost had a repeat scenario where someone's on hard the wrong tyres, hard tyres even though they were new but hard tyres someone's on soft tyres and there wasn't it, it, they just stayed in position really because the the you had the restart we were all there going McLaren of McLaren of the new Ferrari they've completely fumbled this it's going to be a Merc two three on the podium and actually no one passed at all um, and for me yeah that, well, that was a bit of signs who fell off a cliff didn't they and lost yeah, three positions true. but yeah it was a, it was a weird a weird feeling that. Um, Sometimes the the lack of overtaking made it good, and then sometimes it was uh, uh, a little bit frustrating to watch. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, I think that it was interesting. Uh, the first part of the race and the last part of the race, the middle felt like it was very stale, at least from the grandstands, where it was a little bit spread out, not really much overtaking at all. Um, but. And another yeah, one stop, yay! It's just Formula One teams; they just what? love to ruin <laughs> new regulations by yeah. making their cars more uh, harder to follow. Um, because, of course, it's in their own self-interest to to disturb that air as much as possible within the regulations. Because they don't want they want to be throwing out banana peels out their rear wing uh, in terms of the the air dis- disturbance. And yeah, it's just so irritating because twenty two, as you say, was amazing. Uh, and Saudi Arabia is always the one that sticks in my mind of how Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen could follow each other and start swapping positions yeah. and it wasn't like it was just done over as soon as the overtake happened it was still on the whole way round whereas as you say we've seen Baku this year which was an absolute disgrace to humanity how there was no overtakes <laughs> around Baku with, with someone on 400 lap old hard tyres yeah. Um, yeah you do wonder what they're going to do again I wonder if they are you know thinking about this because we don't hear 
what they do in this sort of phase after the regulations. How do they analyse it? What do they change? Do we wait till 2026 or do we get some more tweaks? Yeah, you know, I'm sure people will be shouting at me for saying this because like, oh, you're only saying this because you're a Verstappen fanboy. You're only saying this because you're a Verstappen (laughs) fanboy. But but obviously the only thing we're ever hearing is, oh, peg back Red Bull because they're too dominant. But I think the... The, the thing that frustrates me most about this year is the fact that the overtaking we've we've had promising and the this these amazing cars that are so easy to follow now and that they're, they're specially designed to not have dirty air and you be able to pass um it's kind of not not delivering uh, as we expected and for it to happen at a place like silverstone where look at last year look at even 2021 those cars are not were not uh, supposedly you know nightmares to to be able to pass and we had good racing there so uh, silverstone always delivers and it was a decent race um but it's just a, a shame to see uh there's still a case of drivers not being able to get past absolutely it was a yeah it was a good race nothing too extreme uh it had the potential to be an unbelievable race um but Max is too good. Uh, at IP Breaker comes in with a question. Do you think Hamilton has lost some of his aggression and is hesitant on overtakes? It seems like he backed out fairly early while racing Lando when theoretically the soft tyres he had versus the hard should have had a considerable advantage. I mean, Tommy's been saying this for a few months now, I guess, on the on the podcast, haven't you, about Hamilton's potent, you know, particular driving style and the way in which he, he goes about overtaking. Um, I mean, I saw the state of Hamilton's tyres that went onto his car uh, as those used softs, because let's, let's not forget, they weren't new, brand new softs. He went on to used softs that had definitely done a few laps. I don't know exactly how many, but uh, you could tell when they were put on the car. It's not got a huge amount of life in them, but enough to get to the end of the race. So in that first sort of window of the first lap or two, clearly, you know, generates a lot better tyre temperature. The operating window is is there for Hamilton, whereas Lando needs a few more laps for that, that hard tyre to really uh, switch on. So that was his best opportunity. And we saw that he was trying very hard to to get through. But I would argue that it's more about Lando Norris in this instance and how he defended um, over the course of those few laps because, yeah, he was slower, but he put his car just in the right places. Like, for example, when Hamilton tried to go around the outside at uh, Brooklands, is it called? Is it? Or Lafield, uh, like that area. Field, I can't yeah. remember. Whatever the corner is before that, I always forget. Um, where Hamilton starts to sneak around the outside. And we saw overtakes you know, previously in the race that George Russell uh, around the outside of Charles Leclerc. That was gorgeous, you know, because he mm-hmm. had better tyres. And Hamilton was thinking about doing something similar, but Lando just washes his car slightly wide. Then Hamilton has nowhere to go and then has to get out of it. So that kind of instance of defensive driving is uh, was was great from Lando. Um, and then, of course, he was really good um, out of turn 15. I think they were they were constantly saying as well, which which he said saved him every single lap and had slightly better straight line speed, uh, obviously, when both cars didn't have DRS. So I would say Lando just defended perfectly and had the right car for the right areas of the track. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this this question, it's something you you mentioned that I've said this a few times uh, and people are quick to like criticize and say, oh, it's like you hating on on Hamilton or, or something along those lines. And it's not even a criticism because, you know, I think in terms of aggression when you're overtaking that that is something that you have to analyze risk and reward and you don't always just have to be aggressive on every single thing. It's not a criticism to say that Hamilton sometimes backs out of moves because he does, but it's all a calculated decision because, you know, you made an interesting point that Verstappen is um, not in the race. That's Hamilton's first win since Saudi 2021 and he probably is throwing up the inside. Um, But in that, part of me thinks that you know, Lewis Hamilton, back when he started in Formula One, when he was Lando's age, he was known for doing absolute crazy lunges and dive bombs. And, you know, I remember Brazil 2007 when he lost the the title um, and he tried to throw it around the outside of Alonso at turn one when all he had to do was finish like six or something. So he's learned the hard way that you don't always need to go for it. And that's 
part of why he's a seven-time champion because it's managing like the risk versus reward and he gave it a good go and he obviously had a very a, a decent tire advantage but can you imagine and th- this is um you know part of the the decision making of going i could finish third or i could finish second but also run the risk of taking Lando and myself out of the British Grand Prix when we're both on for a a 2-3 British podium. Can you imagine the absolute nuclear bomb that goes off in the F1 fan world if Hamilton takes Lando out of a podium at the British Grand Prix and and himself out? It's just not worth an extra three points, is it? So I'd argue that it's just him being calculated. Yeah, Hamilton, yeah, is very much probably one of the most calculated drivers when it comes to that. You know, he's not going to throw one unless it's almost a certainty. But that's, you know, that's what's allowed Hamilton to win so many titles. And as you say, it sometimes it is a slight criticism because we, we see the opportunity there and we trust in we Hamilton's talent. And we talent. as fans want to watch that kind of racing. We, we're like, come yeah. on. And, but he thinks about and rightfully <laughs> not the, the entertainment yeah. the the championship and how many points he's getting and and what's gonna you know the outcome of what it's going to be absolutely uh, next question uh, from you better leg it <laughs> that's a good one i just realized what i meant uh, do you that's think me if after McLaren... saying anything bad about hamilton yeah, you better yeah they're coming. <laughs> uh, do you think if McLaren had put Oscar on softs, he'd have been on the podium? Obviously, they couldn't have known at the time, but with the speed of the McLaren and Lewis's tyre wear, he, could he have gotten it over the line sooner on softs? I feel so bad for him. Very unlucky. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because when we first saw it, we all were like, oh, yeah, as you say, Ferrari, McLaren, shake the hands. They both think that hard tyres are great at Silverstone. I don't think it was actually that big of a difference uh, between whacking on new softs and going for the new hards. I think it was, it just looked worse at the start of that restart because of the fact those hard tires don't switch on immediately. But we saw as that stint went on, that Lando was matching Max's pace, if not just eking away a, a tiny bit at that lead. So those hard tires in the last five, six, seven laps were definitely the tire to be on, I would say. Um, whereas the beginning as a Formula One fan and wanting to see entertainment of fighting at the front, of course, we would have loved to have seen Lando and Oscar on the soft tyres. And I think the decision there that perhaps was made by Zach Brown himself, by the sounds of it, was we're in a very good position here. Do we, one, go for the win, but potentially throw away a podium by going on to soft tyres that we're not sure are going to have to speed all the way to the end? Or do we whack on new hards, trust in our two drivers to defend like crazy in the first few laps, but know that later down the line and in the last few laps, it'll pay dividends and they'll actually do all right. I think they, I mean, it's it's disappointing because I would love to, as I say, love to have seen them on softs, but it wasn't as bad of a decision as everyone thought uh, come the end of the race. Do I think Oscar could have got a podium? No, I don't think that the used softs would have been that much different than him going on the hards. I know Lando was quite vocal about wanting the soft tyres, but I think that was, again, through the frustration of those first few laps of perhaps losing that position to Hamilton. But he would have got Hamilton back, in my opinion, had Lewis got through because Lewis was was reasonably slow towards the end of the race. Yeah, it was just really hard to to overtake. I I think if if... Piastri was on soft tires, um, the same as Lewis. He might have joined in with that fight. Maybe he'd have gone for something when Hamilton tried the move on Lando, then backed out, and then that gives Oscar a chance to maybe go for it. And it would have been fascinating because uh, <laughs> very different uh, again when we're talking about how Ham- Hamilton calculates his move. If he's defending from Piastri for a podium, he's going to absolutely want to be on the podium at the British Grand Prix. And so he's going to defend everything on Oscar and then Oscar's going to desperately want his first podium. So I think it would have been, uh, we would have seen a battle between uh, Hamilton and Piastri because I think uh, the McLaren was was the better car and Oscar would have done everything in his power to um you know to to go for it um maybe uh that that was the right way to just go with piastri rather than uh risk with lando but it is all hindsight 
um, with these things. You know, we were Can you all imagine roasting the them. If the softs did work, and then Piastri was on softs, Hamilton got through on Norris. So did Piastri. And this Lando is the thing. Loses a podium. I, we have exactly, and we have another Leclerc. Why? Why didn't they? Yeah. Why have they put the wrong tires on situation? And oh, why are they favouring? Oscar over Lando. Um, it, it all comes down to just a bit of hindsight, really, doesn't it? It does, um, but I don't think it was categorically one way or the other, as much as, yeah, Lando suggests that perhaps he did want the softs because he probably wanted to go on the attack rather than be uh, on the defensive. Uh, next question from Jordan underscore DeRose. Is Oscar Piastri pushing for a resurgence following this performance after such a shaky start to the season? Now, I think that is incredibly unfair, to be honest with you, for uh, for Piastri. McLaren have been pretty shocking, I would say, um, at the beginning of the year. Um, but he scored points in Australia uh, and, of course, uh, has now scored points in Great Britain. And these other performances, yeah, he, ha- he may have had a couple of races, but let's not forget he's a rookie. And also the thing I measure him on is always how far away is he from Lando Norris? And there might have been the odd race where he's not he's had a bit of a stinker, but overall, his performance relative to Lando has been nothing that anyone can really criticise, in my opinion, especially with the fact that that Lando Norris is deemed one of the best drivers on the grid. Um, so, no, I don't think he's had a shaky start to the season. I always I said at the beginning in the predictions that Oscar Piastri, I think I said, would be the biggest good surprise did, of the yeah. season. And I said that it might take a little while for him to pick up, just like Lando Norris did when he first joined Formula One. Lando wasn't some sensation that was dive-bombing everywhere and making his way through the field. No, he was quite tentative. And he was behind Sainz, who people, some people now don't yeah. even rate. So um, Exactly. It takes time. Yeah. But I think Piastri now from having time to learn, has now shown everyone just what he is as a driver. Yeah, he's just been waiting for that big breakthrough result. I think it's incredibly harsh to say he's had a, a bad season. I actually look back at the results, and it this just shows how one good race changes the, the perception of everything. Because if you actually look at the results and the, the big criticism, you look at... The Daniel Ricciardo against Lando, and Lando's finishing sixth and seventh, and Daniel Ricciardo's finishing thirteenth and fifteenth, and it was having an absolute nightmare. Oscar versus Lando, you know, Lando finishes sixth, Oscar's eighth, Lando finishes ninth, Oscar's eleventh, Lando's seventeenth, Oscar's nineteenth. Uh, Monaco is one place behind. Canada is two places behind. He's he's there already, even from the start of the season. And it's funny that when Lando finishes ninth and Oscar finishes eleventh, you go, "Oh, Oscar Piastri's having a bit of a crap season. He's not got a point." But he finishes two point two places behind Lando when Lando's second, and he's just missed out on a podium. He's fourth. He's had the best result of his career, and everyone's thinking he's the best rookie we've seen in years. So it just shows that that you just need, it is a lot about the car as well, uh, and you do do just have to look at where he is in comparison to his teammate. Uh, and I think he's done a very, very, very respectable job in what is very difficult circumstances to go up against Lando that we thought could be a Max Verstappen-style teammate killer and no one could, after what happened to Ricardo, no one can go up against him. And we all said, you know, is it a risk? Should he have gone to Alpine? But no, he's done very, very well indeed. He has indeed. Uh, well done, Oscar. Uh, unbelievable drive. Uh, and I personally loved the fact he did a shoey uh, on the main stage yes. at Silverstone <laughs> uh, after the race with, with Lando as well. Uh, the vibes looked immaculate then. I had actually, I, we'd just left when that was all kicking off. It was funny because we were leaving and then Soph was like, oh, Lando's about to come on. And we, I was like, yes, that's, that's fine, but traffic (laughs) and uh yeah we wish we'd kind of stayed now but um but yeah it was yeah unbelievable from from the pair of them hey i'm ryan reynolds at Mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is sponsored by Tennis Channel Plus. Witness history at the French Open, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. 
Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May the 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Next question comes in from MagXT133. Is it finally time to say that Williams isn't a backmarker anymore? They're genuinely seventh, in my opinion, solid races and not just an odd result. Yes, I think that's very fair to say, um, because not only is Albon performing, but Logan Sargent, best yes, performance. come on, Don't Logie. you dare get, get in the bin, all right? <laughs> Everyone thinks that, oh, just because you've done a TikTok, or oh, when will Logan Sargent be world champion? Um we all know the truth of who, where you predicted him, and I think we're going to have to do. An, you're going to have to do an apology video at the end of the year um, <laughs> at, at him and say he is a P. Whatever he finishes in the championship, merchant, and it might be 19th, but we still have to change that. Um, but yeah, Williams is doing a great job, and I don't think right. Some people might think I'm in love with this man, but I don't think it's any coincidence that James Fowles joining the team and Williams starting to move forward. I don't yeah. think that's a coincidence. I don't think yeah, I, I, I stretched that sentence well. But I, I genuinely think James Vowles is a fantastic team principal. The way that, as even the small things, like he came over the team radio and spoke to both the drivers after that race, and the way in which he commends them, the way in which he tries to g them up and build them up is is brilliant, and it gives you an insight into perhaps how that that whole dynamic is within the team. Um, and I think James is going to be a fantastic team principal. I mean, he is now, but I think he'll start to to show in the years to come that that he is uh, right up there. And I'm sure his time in Williams is just to succeed Toto Wolff eventually when when Toto decides to potentially step down from Mercedes but um yeah Williams doing a fantastic job and and yeah they 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 should be very proud of themselves after their 800th race yes it was their 800th grand prix as is technically grand prix is technically the the way of saying it even though um i absolutely hate writing Grand Prix because it looks uh, terrible but that is technically correct um, yeah 7th seventh, seventh for Williams I do think they're the 7th best car they're not better than Alpines although the Alpines are, are terrible but they're know, better than Ferrari <laughs> yeah I mean yeah Albon beat both Ferraris in that race but yeah Williams we're, we just feel like and you know joke, joking aside of what I said about Logie Sarge it was because I thought Williams would be last and he's not beating Albon which he isn't so I thought he would be 20th in the title now they are better than Haas and Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri are absolutely awful now they are the backmarkers of of F1 they are truly terrible um so yeah Williams um they are seventh in the in the title at the moment it's hard to see where if they'll get any higher than that. I don't think they will, but I think they will cement that place as quite quite easily seventh by the end of the season. Now, fingers crossed, they deserve it. You know, yeah, they I, do. I, I, as, I, I love, I do love Williams as a team, and I am sick of them celebrating their heritage all the time. It's time to make new history. Yeah. You know what, you know what yeah, I mean for I them? Agree. Like yeah. they've got an amazing amount of history, but um, you know, they deserve to, to to be right at the front, um, considering all of their heritage and, and whatnot. But yeah, it's time to add to that museum. You know what I mean? Take aside right. champ. Yes. That's well, that, I think he, after, after today's performance, I think it's more likely that he becomes world champion <laughs> in real life before you get it on that TikTok filter. <laughs> I certainly um, feel that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you have to let everyone know when that does happen Will um, do. for people to, to watch your TikTok um, because that's incredible. Uh, next question from Mr. Alan Peterson. Does the point system need an overhaul? 10 for a win, 9 for second, 8 for third, down to 1 point for 10th. Not going to stop Verstrapon winning. That was a typo. Oh, well, I, did, I should have corrected that in the sheet. I didn't even see that. No, that's fine. We'll carry on with it. But we'll tighten the championship up quite a bit. I don't think that's a... I do not think that is a typo at all. Unless you wrote that out. Frank thinks it's a no, typo. I didn't by the write sounds it of it. I just copied and pasted it from Twitter. Yeah, so that was definitely a, a play on it. I think there is a TikTok guy that does does that particular nickname. But but either or, uh, thanks, Frank, for getting involved in the podcast as well. Um, does it need an overhaul? I mean, we've spoken about you know, giving out points down to 15th and things like that. I am not a fan of that particular format. It just, it feels like you could win every single race, have one DNF 
and then you can't claw it back anywhere near as quickly if there's only one point difference. Like if you won nine races and then DNF'd and then you had someone else that finished second in 10 races, they would have the, the advantage. Yeah, exactly. You know, so the, it just the, wouldn't the, make sense. The Rosberg title would be a lot easier in that yeah, scenario. Yeah. I mean, th- this is something that actually did get implemented not not quite this extreme, but uh, we used to have uh, points only for the top six, and it was 10, 6, 4, and then Michael Schumacher was dominating, and this exact scenario came in where they made it 10, 8, because they gave less priority for a win, because they were like, well, it will peg Michael Schumacher ba- back a bit, because he's winning all the time. But the problem is... This all comes down to the biggest criticism we get in the sprint is why are you absolutely sending it for a race win when you only get one extra point? It's not, in, in my opinion, a big enough reward uh, in terms of a point. And, you know, obviously you win and get the, the trophy, but a win should be so much more prestigious, not just for the prestige of the actual result, but in the points as well over second yeah, place. Yeah, because it would it would be a weird feeling, wouldn't it? Because nine points, it'd feel like a sprint race in some ways where yeah, we've got would, yeah. eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, all the way down to eighth. And even though someone wins the sprint, we don't all get elated like when someone wins an actual race on the Sunday because there is that big points haul. There is, you know, the whole uh, acclaim that comes with that as well. So uh, thank you for your suggestion, Alan. But no. No, Is that definitely not. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, next question, Grant S. Rivers. What was your personal favourite moment of the weekend? I wonder. <laughs> yes. We spoke about it enough. Jesus. I mean, the promo we put out, we, we mentioned it in everything. Uh, I mentioned it when I filled up my car to the to the guy that I paid at uh, the petrol station. Uh, everyone knew that 11.30 on Sunday, we were going to be on the main stage. Uh, we'd burnt into people's brains throughout the tannoy, uh, through the tannoy throughout the weekend, uh, because we were the voices of the tannoy, which uh, we thought was actually a really amazing opportunity. And it still is. We, we joke about the fact that, oh, we wish we hadn't done it. But there was also a lot of messages messages saying that um they've they heard us repeating the same thing the over, and over yeah. and over uh, from 6 30 in the morning all the way through the day um so we actually became people's alarm clocks and i know how much i hate my alarm clock tone so i can only imagine having that tone going off throughout the day it's not even like you could turn it off so we were worse than an alarm tone but in all seriousness we don't care we loved it <laughs> It was so surreal to to turn up to the track on the Thursday evening to go and watch um, Calvin Harris and finding a parking space and hearing my stupid voice coming through as I'd opened my window. I was like, that is so weird. But it was also so unbelievably special because we know that 480,000 people over the course of the weekend would have heard us too telling people that ticket touts were in operation in the area. <laughs> yes, and we want to get people through as quickly and as safely as possible and all that all that good stuff. Um, <laughs> you've but, just, yeah. mate, you've just you've just you've just triggered people now. Well I know, done. I'm so sorry. They're getting stressed from thinking about it, but yeah, um the tunnel was unbelievable and then obviously the the main stage, oh yeah. my word, that was Let's special. Let's run through the process of that then. So so we were there I mean fashionably early because um we didn't know what else to do and we were like we can't get stuck in traffic we can't get stuck in a queue to get in the circuit <laughs> can you because imagine we, us being stuck in traffic and they're just hearing listening hi to I'm us. man tommy from p1 welcome to the british car <laughs> they would have just stage. had to play that on the main stage because <laughs> yeah. we wouldn't have been there um but yeah we got there quite early didn't we because we um we wanted to to make sure that we weren't late so we were probably there about half nine sort of quarter to ten we were milling about uh backstage um and I say backstage, literally just gravel out the back and, you know, there's a few bins buildings. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And actually, funnily enough, before we went on stage, we we met up with, um, oh, well, we we bumped into uh, the Fast and the Curious podcast, which is uh, run by um, Betty Glover, Christian Hugill, uh, and of course, Greg James as well. Um, And... It was amazing to speak to them because it's so weird to you know meet Greg in particular because of course I've listened to Radio One for many many years and then to to hear him doing his voice in front of me was 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 quite surreal but uh, <laughs> amazing people and, and we did a small podcast with them over on their pod so make sure you go and check that out uh, at some point we had like a five minute segment just chatting to them it was quite funny it was like a run and gun thing wasn't it with just some like handles and mics and we just spoke for, for five ten minutes so uh, so that was really cool but then 
it got to about quarter past 11, didn't we? And we went up the ramp out the back and started to sort of pace around backstage. We kept, uh, you peered out the front to see how many people were there approximately 15 times um just purely because we both wanted to know that didn't we how many people were actually going to turn up we were convinced there was only going to be about 50 people maybe or something yeah we did i kept looking around and yeah we i just had no idea and then we heard a few cheers for for the um it was the british army guys on before us doing some uh esports uh thing on some sims uh and then when we went out Oh my word. Like, it was deceiving was as well because the way in which we were seeing it, we were the back left of the stage and we looked out and on the right, as you look, so as you look at the stage, we on the left, but as we looked at it, it was on the right. That was probably the emptiest part just purely because people don't tend to shift that way because the, you've muted um, the shift that way. Because if you want to talk to me, you have Sorry, to unmute yeah, your mic. I, I know, you know, you've only been doing it for seven <laughs> years. Uh, I can try and lip sync. I do know you that well, but what did you want to say? Uh, I was saying, yeah, the, the, to the, left of the stage are right there's just a, a fence there where the the track is whereas yeah, so people everyone have has to shift that way so we came out and I, you know i saw that and i was like oh, it's gonna be fine and then i just we just looked into this sea of people and i was like ah but the thing was and similar to the live show as soon as people showed their love and cheered i was calm as anything i didn't feel one bit of nerve nerves um and it was the most special experience uh, I've I've ever ever felt. It genuinely felt like we were a music act on stage because there was people like, around the fence and they were all waving or got their phones out and I was like, "Who are you possibly recording on this stage that is going to be worthy of your megabytes on your phone?" Because it was just us two plebs talking about Formula One, but it was something I will treasure and cherish for the rest of my life. Yeah, I spent. Uh... Uh, a lot of student uh, money on a, a music degree and sadly never made it as a rock star. And this was uh, the, the closest I'll ever get and actually surpassed it because I get to talk about Formula One and do it, which is amazing. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of you will have seen the video we posted on social, but we did we did the whole thing. And then there's a, there's a walkway in the middle and I was just like, can we go down here? Let's let's do it. And then everyone shared. It was so shout. cool. It was so cool going down to the middle ramp where, and then you're like right in amongst it. And like you say, the the the, the where it is to the left, I think is as well because we knew we we were on not too long before the race. It was still quite a way, but obviously we know what general admissions like, and you've got it was to get three and a half hours so, before the race. Yeah, that we started. General admission is is crazy. So we appreciate so much people you know, coming down when it's still not long to go and you need to find your seats and everything and get, get your food and whatever. So, um, it was crazy the amount of people there and yeah, we took, took the video and the cheers and I did not expect, I thought we'd have a, a fairly decent turn. I didn't know how it was going to be, but I didn't think we'd have been able to do what we did at the live show, which was get people to cheer P1 and it sound really loud and exciting. And oh my God, it was unbelievable. Like that, that is that, just that cheer of people shouting pure podcast was like this is the peak of my working life right here this very moment it's mad and if it wasn't for grace being born the peak of your life full stop yes. probably um, <laughs> we won't tell katie about the wedding um but yes to be fair you do have, you do have a formula one car at your wedding yes, so you know i'm sure there's there's lots of things that are top but yes it was um sensational uh can't believe any of that was real to be honest with you um and i just want to thank every single person that, that came to that stage uh, show or just came and said hello a lot of people waited for us after we came out and we had pictures and stuff with people which again was just so surreal and uh, yeah uh, unbelievable uh, let's now move on to our biggest winner uh, easy either or team um McLaren. i think it's quite clear <laughs> yeah um but i'm actually going to more specifically say oscar piastri for this um uh, because i think he has won the hearts of many many people there was an amazing video of people chanting oscar piastri's name because it it did feel like it was lando norris's team and oscar's just joined as this little rookie oh, I and, know, doing and, right and blah 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 and he's so innocent he's so humble he's so nice but now he's shown he has got the tenacity to to fight right at the front and to have the minerals that he had at the british grand prix to start third where, you know, I think 99% of us would have been like, <laughs> like wobbling on the start grid. To get the best start of the three was amazing in itself. And then to stay with them, considering his race pace had maybe been a few tenths off Lando, I'd say on average per lap over the season, 
to kind of eradicate that completely and be like, nope, I'm in the fight for the win here was sensational to see. Yeah, Oscar Piastri is brilliant. And I don't think you... Uh, you went went to the, the the track on Thursday, so I think you might uh, might have missed this. But when uh, they have the the bit along the the pit straight with the the Sky Sports show and they do the the F1 show on the, the straight, Oscar Piastri came out first before Lando, and you know there are cheers and stuff. And he he has less self confidence than than me. And this this guy's won everything in all you know motorsport and stuff, and is such a good driver. But he he just doesn't. He's even more extreme than Charles Leclerc, isn't he? With this whole like beating himself up about things and stuff. And he he was there like, oh, sorry, it's the wrong McLaren driver and and stuff like this. And I was like, I was, from there on, I was <laughs> like, heart. I really hope he does well this weekend. And you're right. And then fast forward to uh, the final day on Sunday, and he's there chugging a shoey, everyone shouting his name. Love it. So yeah, uh, definitely McLaren. Um, Lando obviously gets the the plaudits for the podium, but Oscar is brilliant as well. So hard to pick between them two. McLaren, my God, like in terms of biggest winner, it's probably biggest winner of the season because yeah, get to get your more than your entire season's points haul halfway through the yeah. season in one race is unbelievable. Miraculous. Um, now we go to biggest loser. It's going to have to be Alpine, I think, uh, who had that clash with Stroll, uh, with Gasly, which uh, ruined his race. And then Ocon had to retire due to a potential hydraulic issue or or something like that. Um, So an absolute stinker of a weekend uh, for Alpine. I think in a very close second is AlphaTauri that are showing absolutely no promise whatsoever. And then third, if we're doing a podium, is Ferrari. I mean, it's just, just... disgusting to start fourth and fifth and finish ninth and tenth it's funny actually because my mate jamie who came along with us and and sat with us in the grandstands he said after the first pit stops they're going to finish ninth and tenth and lo and behold they finished ninth and tenth so i um i I hit him on the arm does he want to come (laughs) do our predictions because he's better than us yeah i mean well no not if it's going to predict ferrari being um being bad then absolutely not but um i just found that quite funny so big shout out jamie well done yeah, biggest loser. Big, uh, I would actually argue biggest loser is Ferrari, just because that's a shocking amount of points they screwed no, up. That's a the big hole of three, again. mate. I don't know what you're on about. That Finishing is a behind huge hole of Williams. three points. We, we've only lost one point to Williams in the constructors' championship here uh, in our big fight. <laughs> it's 1997 suddenly and it's Williams versus Ferrari speaking on that Albon went on the stage after the race and didn't know how many points for 8th was I was like wow how how do you not know what the point system is I always find that uh, I think Hamilton's guilty of that he's normally one of the worst for it where he comes on the radio and he's like did I get a point is there points for ninth or whatever he has no idea does he (laughs) Like, like uh, when he didn't know who uh, Franz Tost was, was it? Oh my god, that yeah. was yeah, that was savage. Um, <laughs> and then also, just come to my mind just randomly that Carlos Sainz forgot what Plan B was, so I had to ask the team what Plan B was during the race. I don't know if you saw that or not, Tommy. But um, I, I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just Which, that also uh, reminded me of something else spicy. I know this is a very long podcast, but you know, British Grand Prix treating yeah. yourself. Yeah, man, um, British bias. British bias. Um, Pierre Gasly, did you see that video of him talking to science afterwards? Very... um, No, tell me. Very... uh, So basically, science is having his um, post-race interview, and Pierre Gasly uh, says science... Goes up to science and goes, you need to leave me more space, and walks off. But it is proper, like... It's not even a jokey, ha-ha, it is brutally, like, I hate you, kind of really angry... um, really like very annoyed at him which i found very strange because it was stroll was the one battling him and actually pushed him off and knocked him out yeah. of the race so why he's going after science i don't really understand but it it was really mm. he was he was absolutely irate at science and it was a really like very angry no no form of joke whatsoever in his voice like really savage comment uh to to science wow. so yeah really brutal Probably the second biggest hatred moment. Um, the first being Helmut Marco to the photographer. 
I have watched that video about a hundred times. Mm-hmm. It is like watching a Bond villain deciding <laughs> that that man will no longer live after that. Like it was ridiculous. If you haven't seen it, look it up. It's Helmut Marco just basically barging and trying to find. Did you feel like it was funny there. though that in a you could see in his face in a very weird way he was kind of enjoying it. Like he, yeah, was, he was like. like I'm going to push you back. Yeah, yeah, he was basically just trying to ruin the guy's photo every time he tried to take a picture. Like, it was just crazy. Um, but yeah, please watch oh, that if wow. you haven't already, because that was that was amazing. Um, right, let's now move to what our predictions mm. were, which we made on Wednesday. So my biggest good surprise was Esteban Ocon. Um Clearly, the universe thought I said biggest flop again because that was a stinker. Uh, there's a fly that's just uh, decided yes, to join the, uh, the P1 uh, pod. Um, but that's fine. All right, you're going to go for it, are you? You're going to try and do a Lando and just punch it. Um, <laughs> but I went for Ocon, no points. And uh, over to you, Tommy. Um, I've gone for Lewis Hamilton, which I'm absolutely taking because I cannot believe this came true because I even said to you, didn't I, halfway through the race that I think I said it on the stage that there's no way Lewis Hamilton has a boring normal result at Silverstone and just finishes seventh and it looked exactly like that was going to happen that man is just not allowed to have a bad result at Silverstone it's illegal and then sure enough uh, very fortunate safety car perfect for him and ends up with a podium and, it, and it's mad I think I think they he's got 14 podiums at Silverstone podiums that, in yeah. 17 races that, that is insane that is insane. Um, let's see in 15 years if Max Verstappen has broken everything and he's won everything from here. You can't win everything, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, you can't um, win. Yeah. Now, biggest flop. Okay, we'll give you the point for that, by the way, Tommy. Well done. Thank you. Biggest flop. We both went for Verstappen. Now, look, we, we can we can barter here. We can work with each other because essentially we are e- each other's referees. Um, he lost the lead on merit at the beginning uh, so it wasn't a Verstappen clean sweep in terms of leading every lap mm. uh, so therefore terrible performance biggest flop so you, you, you kind of suggesting he had a slight problem while leading and lost the lead at the start right absolutely no zero points I'm sorry uh, I, even I can't I, I love how you've literally put one down on the sheet you literally thought we were giving uh, each other points then. I thought I was going to get it no I mean not that it matters because we just even each other out True. one way or another uh, now we now go to pole position. Now this is an interesting oh, yes, chat. This is a very uh, interesting chat. No, because I'm going to announce it right now, Tommy. Okay. okay. So I put pole position Lando Norris, and I asked a question, which was, <laughs> does Matt deserve half a point for his Lando Norris pole position prediction? Right. So I split up to yes, no, and full point. As of right now, yes has forty nine point nine percent of the vote. And no has 50.1%. Out of 9,000 votes, 0.1% over. I'm so glad I set those Twitter bots up. So it's no annoying points. because I was trying to um, basically yeah, convince you that I deserved half a point because, I mean, I would have broken the internet if Lando you Norris had got pole been position. To be fair. That would have, can we at least, I know I'm not going to get any points, but can we at least hype up the fact that I was somehow nearly plucked that out of thin air? Yeah, that was a f- fair play to you. That was a, a, a great prediction. Um, and look, we were we were one Verstappen mistake in Sector 3 away from it as well because he was, he was down. That would have been such a big clip. But either way, we now go to yours, which was... Verstappen. Back to the easy point. One point. Like I put on Twitter, don't don't hate the player, hate the game. Yeah, no, I hate the player drastically. (laughs) Uh, We now go to our top three. (laughs) Right, top three. um, In third, I went for Lando Norris. I can't believe that was wrong, but in the wrong direction, which Mm. is absolutely disgraceful. You went for... Science, awful. Nope. Yep, no Second, I went for Verstappen um, because, yep, we thought flop, but mm-hmm. nope. I went for Perez, nope. Oh dear. And then I went for Perez victory and it was a nope. And you went for a Hamilton victory, so nope. So Absolutely. no points for any of Shocking. our predictions. I mean, we Shocking. did go for something crazy, although mm. we, we only would have got one, which would have been Verstappen winning, let's be honest here. Yeah, and maybe true. Hamilton third. I mean, isn't it? Was, that was feasible. And finally, one crazy prediction. I went for red flag in the race, and that did not happen because Silverstone did a great job of stopping Just Oil getting on, just stop oil getting on the track, uh, which I imagine would have 
happened at some point which we haven't heard about but uh, yeah. they were talking about it a lot on the run up to the weekend but well done Silverstone for, for increasing the security and allowing uh, the race to safely go ahead yeah no no red flag um, I went for Max Verstappen will have a problem while leading don't you dare, don't no, you dare was say technically that leading. don't you dare maybe I, I maybe I need to get a Twitter poll going no, now that's absolutely disgusting it's too late isn't it um, it's too late you should have done it before <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought about it. Um, Max will have a problem while leading. Yeah, okay. I won't take the point because actually I now just realised that the two points puts us, I think, exactly level because I lost that science point. Well so done, mate. Well done. So, so you know, the, I the gave Michael you a chance. Massey 2021 idea of a, basically just points as making it as close as possible by, uh, you know, giving... Going for giving, the obvious victor. Well done. Yeah. Um, Interesting, because uh, now, because my competitive spirit will take over, over making entertaining videos and podcasts, I will now Let's be going for Stappen everything. So well done, Tommy. You've ruined P1 with Matt and Tommy. We will be liquidating <laughs> by the end of the year. Look, we said that, that there is an idea that we no. call it P2 with Matt and Tommy and just we just Fair. go for second. We can, and we we can go for that next time. And it's the greatest season of all time. I'm not, I don't want to win this prediction game if we're going to do it in your way. I'm going to do it in my way, which I feel you know comfortable with. So screw you. you okay. know, it's working now, but you just wait. All right. You just wait. Um, that is pretty much it. That has been, wow, over an hour podcast for a post-race review when we've still got driver ratings to come uh, as well. So you can look forward to that. And um, we will see you very soon for another piece of content. And I also say, want to say thank you so much once again. Like, the most unreal experience to, to meet so many of you is why the British Grand Prix is, is my favourite weekend without a shadow of a doubt because we get to, to speak to so many of you that, that watch and listen to our stuff um, because it is very easy to you know get separated by it because we're constantly just in our office and we're recording and but actually meeting you guys is, is my favourite part so thank you for turning out to our stage show thank you for bearing with the tannoy uh, and thank you so much just for for the support in general because it, it means the world and um yeah we hope to do this for many many years to come absolutely completely echo what you say unbelievable weekend and uh yeah can't can't quite believe it's it's all happened really it, looking back at the all the pictures and videos that people took on that stage and seeing like us a tiny speck on that giant stage and to have our big logo behind us is a uh, very uh mad yeah like, i didn't surreal. know that the logo was going to be directly behind us and i turned around and i was like oh my god that's really large <laughs> i've never seen my face that big before on a literally like, yeah it's crazy and i've baited you into saying something because now i'm going to ask for your final thoughts so let's see what comes out of that oh here we go um my final thoughts are i can't believe we have done over an hour podcast when I have probably spoken more in my entire life this weekend than I ever have because we did a stream on Friday, the podcast, then the other podcast, then the live show, then the race, then we did another little talk on like a hospitality stage and yet we've still managed to talk another hour five of waffle it's a good job we love this sport so much Mate, isn't it's it? a miracle the first five minutes of this intro do you remember what i how my voice sounded so True. it's actually know, a miracle that, that i'm the one that hasn't lost my voice as well after <laughs> speaking this much over the weekend well we've got more speaking to come don't worry our content does not end uh, mm. we will be releasing lots of exciting things which we've uh, got in the pipeline and we'll see you very soon please subscribe to our podcast to our twitch to our youtube and we'll see you very soon for another piece of content bye, bye. P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.